Blog Talk Radio. Black free thinkers, where we walk by sight with a bright flashlight to illuminate night. Free thought, we don't walk by faith in the lost mind state, cause it's not quite safe. We don't recruit, we're not peers from a church, so don't be spooked, we're not here to convert. The only truth that's not pulled from a text, show me proof that's not good after death. This is the challenge to think for yourself, break it out of the bottle and speak what you felt. 310-982-4273 to get through A venue for community and this is the zone If you'd like to speak with Kim then pick up the phone 310-982-4273 to get through The next tree branch is Rainer and it's best you listen to Reason, science, and skepticism It's loaded with straight facts, inspiring and dope She can make Bill Nye retire his lab coat Humans are hilarious and every other Friday I'd like to hear commentary on culture people So I hit up Super Mario and bring in Emmeline To discuss why we're capable of ultra evil It's normal for my brain to have a two-way street But if there's collisions, well then you got to just mention it And don't be afraid of where the truth may lead Ignoring your position of cognitive dissonance When Father Teresa preaches, it's hard to stop So Kim paired me up with Alfred in the barbershop I have extended family in all these places now As the free thought tree pollinates around this is the challenge to think for yourself. Break it out of the bottle and speak what you're... Now look, I'm number one, the boss. I get the orders. Bow. What's up? Hi, Mario. Hi, everyone. Hey, hey, hey. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Man, kicking it on this rainy, rainy Friday in the house and whatnot, so we thought we'd have a little lighthearted lighthearted show this time. Yeah, the show's going to be really, really good, you guys. I don't know if you guys remember, back in October, um, your Halloween, we talked about our favorite horror films and horror series, and today we're going to be discussing our favorite um, films and television series and the dramas of comedy and drama. So this is going to be really, really fun. And we you might have all a little of in there. Our Sure, throw Kung Fu in there for no reason whatsoever. Um, but it's going to be a, a really good show for our cinephiles, and it's going to be amazing. Um, yeah. Mario, uh, I'm going to start off with a very with a show that's on everybody's mind or should be on everyone's mind if they're looking right. Um, Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones will be back soon. Um, if you um, are not reading the Fire and Ice books. If you have not watched Game of Thrones, I don't know how you live. I don't know how you manage. And um, I'll pray for you. But for those who are watching Game of Thrones, um, it's awesome. It's an excellent show. Um, And for those who don't know the premise, Game of Thrones is basically set a um, um, a dystopic um, medieval time. Um, There's some supernatural elements of it. But basically you have um, different um, warring, uh, long-term warring between different clans and different families um, to rule a kingdom, hence, game of, hence the title Game of Thrones. Um, this show is very well acted. The dialogue is brilliant. 
the cinematography is great. Um, it's just an overall great show, and it is um, produced by HBO, so they can get a lot. They can get away with a lot that um, that um, network television cannot do. Um, it's a really great show, and I highly recommend it to anyone and everyone. I think everyone should watch Game of Thrones. I know Mario is a huge fan as well. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I, I have read all five of the books, and I'm ready, waiting for George R.R. R. R. Martin to finish the sixth book, and then they're proposing there's supposed to be at minimum seven books, but it takes this dude at least four or five years to write these books, so there's no telling when the series will finish. But I do know that he has given uh, HBO his blessing on a lot of the uh, episodes and then um, and on the future the future uh, uh, position of the show, what may happen, what could happen, stuff like that. So even if things don't go strictly by the book, they have an end game in place, even if, no matter what. So, I mean, there's only so much else you can do. I mean, these, these, one of these seasons cost nearly a hundred hundred and fifty thousand hundred and fifty million dollars, so come give up some sometime. Definitely, definitely. Um, let's see. Um what is your favorite what is one of your favorite um drama series? Drama, drama. Oh man, look, yo, I have been watching and I haven't finished the first season, but I was really into Hannibal. And um, you know, you know, we're all familiar and if you're not Get the fuck off my show. We're from all familiar <laughs> with uh, 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 um, the original uh, um, Silence of the Lambs. And Silence of the Lambs is actually more of a middle book. There are, are at least one or two books before that and another book after that and whatnot. But we're all familiar with the character of Hannibal Lecter and whatnot. What you didn't know, you probably did not see Manhunter, which is actually the prequel to Asylum of the Lambs, but Manhunter kind of was kind of swallowed in obscurity. So before that, I think it was Red Dragon. Red Dragon was kind of a remake of Manhunter, which is still a prequel to Silence of the Lambs. But this one actually features Anthony Hopkins, and so um, so we're familiar with that. But the show is focused on all everything that happens pre Hannibal Lecter be, being discovered to be a psychopath. He is actually working with the FBI to find other psychopaths. And there are some really, really interesting serial killers and madmen on this show. Like one dude, I don't know how you figure out how to do this, but he plants people in the ground and gets moss to grow on their bodies because somehow the blood gives them the mushrooms that grow on the body some type of flavor or nutrients or something like that. And it's really creepy. It's really creepy. Um, that sounds was, really creepy. <laughs> yeah, the uh, um, Lawrence Morpheus Fishburne is in there, aka the uh, um, father of Montana Fishburne. We, you know, that's another story altogether. Um, his yeah, wife. Yeah, we're not uh, for her. <laughs> <laughs> his wife, Gina Torres, is actually plays his wife in the show. Um, if um, there's a guy, uh, Will Graham who is played by um, uh, Ed Norton in Red Dragon, is played by this guy who, the only thing, only thing I saw him in was uh, uh, Antoine Fuqua's uh, King Arthur. But the guy who plays Hannibal Lecter is Mad Mickelson. Mads Mickelson. Now, if you uh, I don't know if anybody's ever, you've ever seen Valhalla Rising or King Arthur or Casino Royale with uh, Daniel Craig. 
that guy that kind of had, for some odd reason, bled blood, that's the guy that's playing um, Helm Elector, and he is creepy as fuck. I mean, he has this really smart, high-education, sort of Eastern European thing going on, and he is just cold. He's as smooth as hell. Nobody knows what his end game, what his game is, because everybody thinks that he's helping them find these serial killers. But you know, if you're familiar with the story, you know this some bitch is a serial killer himself. Nobody knows that yet, though. So it's just it's, it is an it is, it is an incredible, well written show. Cool, cool. Um, I should I should start watching Hannibal. Um, um, I I I am interested in the the premise of the show. I just it's very very hard for me to watch shows with that kind of pathology. Like I I had to stop watching Numbers and CSI Miami and CSI a long time ago because they gave me such anxiety. I'm like I can't be this caught up. Um on a television show. Like, this is even normal. This is even natural. Um, you know, so I I definitely want to start watching that show, but perhaps later when, it's like, the series is completely over and I know, like, it's not still ongoing, I'll have a bit less anxiety about the show, um, and I'll start watching it. Um, now, let's see. One of my next favorite shows is in the genre of comedy. It's actually my favorite sit time, all time. I think this show is brilliant. Not only is the story brilliant, the acting brilliant, um, the dialogue was brilliant, um, the actors were perfectly cast, and I think the show, as long as it went on, it ended at precisely the wrong time. It didn't end too soon, it didn't end too late, and that show is Malcolm in the Middle. Oh, I did like that little show, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, first of all, um, the 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 premise of show you have you, you have the lower middle class white family and they live like a lower middle class white family. It's not like on other television shows where these families are supposed to be poor and they lived in huge houses and they drove nice cars and they had nice clothes, but they kept saying they were poor. Throughout the series, they live in this one story house um, that only has like two bedrooms. The three boys share room. If you watch the series episodes back to back to back, like I did twice, um, because the show's on my Netflix Instinct you, um, you'll see that the boys wear the same outfits several episodes. And you know, like the show says, where they're wearing hand-me-downs, you'll see um, the clothes, some of the clothes that Malcolm wore in the first and second season. Dewey is wearing in the fourth and fifth season. Um, you know they 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 had problems. Um, they there was a it was a, it was a very non PC way of raising kids where the parents lost their temper and they yelled and they screamed and they were human. And um, I love the show because even though Malcolm was a central character, you really got to know every member of that family, like you knew them. Um, and you know the show didn't try to push its limits and want to continue forever, even when Malcolm was out of the house. When he was out of the house and Malcolm graduates from high school, the show ends. That's it. It's done. It doesn't leave you with that feeling like, why didn't this show end two or three seasons ago? Um, every episode was hilarious. Every episode was a bit different than the last. Um, you had a love-hate relationship with every single member of the family. I think. This is one of the most perfectly executed shows of all time, and it's kind of sad because I don't think they'll ever be able to to make um, an, a family-centric sitcom that great ever again. Uh, yeah, I, I saw I saw that. Um, I used to watch that show, and I I, I really liked the because this is when we first started getting into the 
no canned laughter type of show in which you, you laugh at the joke at your own leisure. There isn't a laugh track to tell you, hey, you should laugh at this joke here. And exactly. I, you know, I really Rock like that. Middle has no yeah. laugh track, and a, a lot of people don't right. notice this. When you watch, you'll be too busy laughing yourself. But there's no laugh right, track on right. the show. And I think part of the reason was, again, like you said, they want you to, to laugh at your own volition, not because you're prompted. But also, and a lot of people, I'm, I'm, I'm discovering this now, you know, re-watching the show as an adult. There are a lot of inside jokes and, like, like obscure pop culture references on the show. So there's, there's a blatantly funny, and then there's, like, the hidden jokes on the side. Right. Right, and then, uh, the dude that the dude that plays the father on that show went on to do um, a lot of other stuff, including Breaking Bad, and that guy—that's a, that's a very that guy's that a versatile ass actor because I didn't yes, know that is. was him until several seasons. I hadn't watched Breaking Bad. I didn't know that. He, I mean, to see him go from being that goofy to that deep and troubled of a character, just that you know, I, I should. I mean, it's on Netflix. I need. I should catch up on it, but I haven't. Uh, <laughs> Um, okay. The thing about Brian Cranston, it's amazing because I watched, speaking of Breaking Bad, um, mm. um, I haven't finished a series. It's the only reason why it's, why it's not on my list to discuss tonight. But I've, I've seen the first season of Breaking Bad, and it actually, I was like three or four episodes in before I realized that that was how from Malcolm in the Middle. And it was crazy because not only did he look exactly the same as he had on Malcolm in the Middle, but he was even behaving the same, that same very skittish, nervous way that, that Malcolm's father, how he behaved on the show, how he behaved. It's just something about his dialogue and that look of, you know, um, complete misery in his eyes on Breaking Bad. Those two small things completely transformed him and made him unrecognizable. Uh, so, yeah, I, I got to give Brian Chanson some credit because he's a great actor. I'm going to quit bullshitting and check that out on Netflix sometime. Um, yeah, oh, okay, okay. I guess I got to throw out my shit, man. And uh, this show right here went on for, this is probably one of those shows, like you were just talking about, that probably went on maybe a season too long. Uh, was Oz. Now, Oz was a prison drama, and it had all kinds of different people in it, mostly B, B actors and everything like that, but... It was a great show. It was a well-written show because it, it was written by the same people who did Homicide, I believe. And um, a lot of people on the show you probably would never see again, but they were great on the show. And there were some people in there who you've, you've seen time and time again, like uh, uh, um, the guy who was uh, um, who was the uh, one of the uh, the drivers of one of the uh, ships on the Matrix Two. Uh, Harold Perrineau, I can't pronounce his last name, but he's a black guy with dreads, and he's piloting the ship on, on, on the, in the Matrix 2. He was in that show the full, whole whole time playing someone who did something he shouldn't have and that ended up paralyzed. And he narrates the entire show, as, as well as the playing, the playing a character on the show. And it's really well yeah, done. He... Uh, go ahead. No, I was going to say about Oz, um... I really wanted to like Oz. Um, I saw the first season of Oz, or like half the first season, actually. I still think um, um, that Oz is a necessary show and a very well-written and well-acted show. However, I could not get past the uh, huge amounts of rape and violence that were on that show. I couldn't do it. It's weird to me 
um, especially because the, sh- the, the show had so many female fans, it was gruesome to me. Um, I was so emotionally by so many elements of violence and rape on that show, and I'm like, how do people sit through four or five seasons of Oz? How the hell? Yeah, uh, it, it, you know, and I think that's one of the reasons why I liked it because it was so damn gritty. And it was one of the first shows I watched that was just so in your face and unashamed by everything it's showing you because it's not on network TV. And these same people uh, wrote, uh, um, like, Homicide, and even that they pushed the envelope in, on that network TV. So now you get on HBO and you got free reign to show some real shit that really happens in prison, even though the prison itself is fic- fictional. The elements of the prison lifestyle is in that show, and it's like, yeah, violence does happen. People do get killed. There are dirty guards who take pleasure in watching uh, um, inmates fight. There are rapes, you know what I'm saying, Fleece Johnson, you know. But, you know, there aren't any guys that Oz are You know what, you know what, you know what Oz also did to me? You know what Oz did to me? Oz ruined the movie Juno for me because if anyone remembers the guy who plays Juno's dad, um, he's the same guy from the We Are Farmers commercials. I have no clue what this actor's name is. But he was this skinhead, um, yeah, religious on Oz. Now, every time I try to go watch Juno, all I'm thinking is, I know what you did in Oz. Yeah, yeah, he also plays J. Jonah Jameson in the, the first uh, uh, um, Spider-Man tri- trilogy. And it's really, you know, he also plays a goofy guy on one of these uh, little insurance commercials or something like that. And it's, you know, like, it, it is it kind of a trip to see him go from being that absolute despicable character to being this really goofy, happy-go-lucky guy. And they, they say that a lot. They say this a lot about pro wrestling or something like that or movies. The guys that play the worst villains are actually like guys in real life. So I don't know. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was yeah. weird for me. It's just that he, he, did, he, he portrayed that character so well that it's yeah. one of those things where sometimes I really do believe that there can be a time when you, you portray a character so well and that's all anyone ever um, thinks of you as. Um, one of my favorite shows that I brought up when we were doing horror and sci-fi was Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And um, what apparently is pretty well-known amongst, like, um, actor and director types that the girl who played Cordelia Chase, who was, like, the bitchy mean girl in the school, um, she was played by the actress Charisma Carpenter. And Charisma Carpenter yeah. is really, really nice. Everyone always talks about how nice she is. But she was on Buffy for so long playing that role that she couldn't get out of playing that role. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember seeing her in a lot of, lot of they, they really typecast the shit out of her. Um, exactly. But, yeah, and it's like a lot of those characters, like one of the guys that um, that really stands out, you've probably seen him everywhere, you can't pronounce his name for shit, though, is uh, the black dude named Adebisi. He had the little thing on his head, which oh, yeah, apparently yeah, yeah, was that's- that's the, held uh, on by magnets or something. I don't know, but um, yeah, I remember. I remember his character too. Like he scared the hell out of me. I'm not gonna lie. But the the, yeah. the skinhead guy scared me more because he it wasn't just with him. He wasn't just going on raising people. He was also humiliating and torturing them. It was really really fucked up. Um, I had to piece of scared the shit out of me. I, <laughs> yeah, he, he they were all scary. That's the thing about the show. Like pretty much all of the central characters were scary or pathetic. It's like, I can't, I can't, right. I can't get by this show. <laughs> I couldn't do it. They were terrifying or they were just like, like so sick inside for them. Um, so I couldn't get behind Oz um, for that reason. 
It's crazy, though, last, because I know the show yeah. is so, so popular. Yeah, one last thing, though, is that, like I said, I think it did go on a season too long because you have, and I'm not going to completely spoil it, but you have what may be some form of, 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 of redemption for this character that is completely taken back from him within a few episodes. It's like, okay, you didn't, I understand you need to write a gritty show, but to me that seems a bit unrealistic. It seems a little bit bad and everything. And the way the show ends is like it was completely unfulfilling because it's like you could have given that character that, that redemption instead you need to, I don't know. I didn't like I didn't like the end of the show. So, But, uh, yeah, I, I don't know where you find it. I don't think it's on Netflix, though. Yeah, no, I got you. I understand what you're saying. Um, let's see. One of my next favorite shows um, in the drama category is actually a Netflix um, exclusive. It's a Netflix um, produced series called Orange is the New Black. Um, season two is right around the corner. It's going to be premiering this summer. But for those who watch season one, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Shit got real on Orange is the yeah. New Black. If you have yeah. not watched the show, I don't know what you're doing with your life. But go watch the show on right. Netflix. If you don't have Netflix, get a Netflix account today and go watch right. it. I'm not even kidding. It's that good. Um, it's actually based on a true story about a woman who um, um, ran up a drug mule a couple times for her girlfriend years and years ago. Um, and um, before 10 years, before, um, you know, um, at such a time when she could no longer be prosecuted, the girl, the the girlfriend who they'd long broken up, got arrested, and turned her in to re- get a reduced sentence. And so she's has to spend one year uh, in a in a in a, um, in a you know minimum security prison. It's a really really great show. If you're not watching, mm-hmm. like Orange is the New Black is amazing. The characters are incredibly diverse, um, and the series is great because they don't tell you flat out what everyone's in for. You learn that. As the show goes on, we still don't know what half the characters are, have been incarcerated for. Um, and every time you get to, you learn what, once you learn what a character has done, um, you learn some more about them. And you actually, um, the characters that you might not have liked, you get to, you know, like a little bit more. Um, there's some that you start off hating and you end up hating even more. Um, one of those characters is Panther Tucky. Um, she's an Appalachian meth head on the show who um, got arrested for shooting up an abortion clinic. Um, yeah, you have crazy characters throughout the show. Mm-hmm. But um, the thing about Orange is the New I Black think... is... Oh, I'm sorry. The thing about Orange is the New Black is the cast is very diverse. Um, yeah. Laverne Cox, um, who plays Sophia on the show, um, plays a transgender woman. And actually, the actress Laverne is a transgender woman. Um, also, what a lot of people don't know is that um, in the beginning of the show, when they're showing you Sophia's, um, you know, um, progression into becoming a woman, the person who plays the man she used to be, the man Marcus, um, is actually played by um, um, Laverne Cox's twin brother. Um, when she was a man, she was an identical twin. Um, so, yeah, they got her brother to play um, her as a man on the show. And um, she's, she's a transgender woman playing a transgender woman, which is huge. Usually they would just get, um, you know, a cisgender woman to play that role. Um, 
you know, how many times in Hollywood have you gotten people who don't look or, 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 or aren't anything like the role they're portraying to play a role? You know, how many able-bodied actors have played disabled people, et cetera, et cetera? Um, right, so right. This, this is like a huge win. Yeah, I, I thought it was really good that they actually had a transgender character, a person who actually is transgender playing a transgender character, as opposed to having somebody who may be, uh, who may a female who may have a few more masculine features play a transgender character, and she's, you know, I really, I really, you know, I really, as a matter of fact, I gravitated more to her story than I did the uh, 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 lead character story, because the lead character story, I can't really get behind a privileged white chick getting caught you know what? what she should have. What? I think, I think that's true for everyone. I watched the show, you know, and I, I thought, you know, we were supposed to be feeling for Piper, the central character. I actually ended up feeling more for her, her ex-girlfriend who was locked up. I, I ended up feeling more for um, the, the, you know, the former drug addict, Mickey, or um, the track star, or even the old Haitian lady who killed, um, who killed the, 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 the man that, she, that her agency worked for for raping a girl. I could see, like, I could, I could, like, I could sympathize with their situation, like, you know, why they were compelled to commit these crimes. I could see myself being pushed that far. Um, in her, in Piper's case, she came off very privileged when the show started, and now it's just very self-pitying. I think the only moment on the show when I actually genuinely respected her was the very last episode, which was beating the crap out of Pantatesky, who I think might be dead. Yeah. Yeah, so you know, and, and like like I was gonna say, um, I think you know she um um like uh like seeing that character and they actually, I mean, what luck is it to have to be a transgender character to actually have a real life twin of yourself who can portray what it was like for you to go through that whole situation? You know what I'm saying? Exactly. I mean, that, it's kind that, of awesome that Laverne did have a twin brother because. I mean, it would have, it would have seemed disingenuous if they just got a man who looked a lot like her, but not enough to play her when she was a man. Right. And right, um, right, right, her right. brother, like I said, her brother, her twin brother is not an actor, but they 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 really wanted the role to be authentic, so he played this the role of Sophia when she was Marcus, and it was flawless because you know they are identical twins. They are they they were identical they are identical twins. And I'm gonna tell you straight on up, she's hot to me. She is. And how, and how many women can say they have an identical twin brother? If a woman has a twin brother, right. it's a fraternal brother. It's a fraternal twin. Yeah, and um, the other characters, uh, uh, the chick with the, 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 chick with the, the, uh, the hair, with the wild hair, and then uh, crazy eyes, you know, that, that, that's a crazy I love chick. crazy eyes. She's a homie. You know why? Because she, first of all, she doesn't care what anybody thinks. And secondly, she quotes Shakespeare. Yeah. That's badass. <laughs> I love Crazy Eyes. But, I love her Bantu nod. I love her peeing and, and marking her territory. I love everything about Crazy Eyes. Everything. <laughs> but I tell you one thing though. Uh, this that, that's the character that girl Juliana Huff got in trouble, which she called herself for playing the playing the character for Halloween because she for did Halloween black party things. and yeah 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 she um did blackface and whatnot, and it's like, yeah, by now you don't live in a vacuum. You have to know that this is probably going to get some backlash. Why would you do that? 
Mm, yeah. Um, blackface never turns out good. I just saw recently Nick Cannon did whiteface, and that was just as ridiculous to me. Um, obviously, yeah. it, it is the same race, race, racial connotations of institutionalized racism and a history of marginalization, but it was making a mockery, and he did look ridiculous. Right, right. I don't understand. I don't like Nick Cannon anyway, so I don't even know what the fuck he does. So just, you know, the fact that he was dumb enough to do that doesn't really surprise me. Yeah, it's uh, it's, it's, it's a mess. Um, so um, what, are, uh, what are some of your other favorite shows? All right, dig this, man. Classic shit. Mark, this show right here was one of the, it's one of those shows that is good stupid. That is just good. I mean, the characters Martin Lawrence played on that show, uh, King Beef. That <laughs> you can see, he's wearing his bodysuit, his muscle bodysuit with hair all over it. Uh, Jerome, Shanene. I mean, just that little short that, that, that when he played the little snot-nosed kid. I mean, just bra man, Cole, uh, Tommy. The show was so fucking stupid. You had to laugh at it because it was ridiculous. It was ridiculous enough that you could just cut loose and just giggle at this shit. Like, I mean, I don't know how, I don't know where you live, but if I walk in my room, my my kitchen, and there's a guy coming out my bathroom, and I know he's not supposed to be there, I mean, it just it's a hilarious thing that this dude just comes down from the fifth floor, even though he holds up four fingers. And just invades people's um, apartments at his leisure and doesn't realize it's, it's, it's a fucked up thing to do. And just the reaction is just, it's one of those shows, man, it just is a classic show. The problem is that last few seasons, there was controversy between Martin Lawrence and um, Tisha Campbell, which forced them to be filmed separately, which ruined the entire dy- dynamic of the show and so the show kind of crashed and, crashed and burned in flames. But the first few seasons, man, were just classic, good black comedy that wasn't always that wasn't always derivative, but a lot of it was, I mean, like Stan. Stan is one of those old dudes everybody knows that cannot let go of the septus. So he's wearing the wrong shit all the time. And then on top of that, he's a corrupt scumbag and is completely completely proud of it. <laughs> and it's just it's an amazing thing. His name he was portrayed by Garrett Morris and 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 more information about that is that he was shot and nearly killed, which is one reason why he was not on the last last few seasons of the show. But ah um yeah, I just but you know, just you know, just seeing the characters just portray you know, just portray so many versions of themselves. I remember seeing Tisha Campbell in House Party 1 and 2. Was it 1 and 2? Oh, yeah, it was 1 man. and 2. Oh, man. You brought me all the way back. I watched those movies. Though. Right. She's <laughs> old. <laughs> yeah, she was also in 48, one of the 48-hour movies, and she was in uh, um, uh, um, Little Shop of Horrors as one of the girls, sing, one of the singing girls. And then I uh, see her go on play. Katrina Arnold was in Little Shop of Horrors, too. Yeah, yeah, she was too. Yeah, they both were. Yeah, they both were. And yeah, just, just that, they, they go all the way back. Right. And so, like, this scene is just ridiculous. Everybody's playing a ridiculous character. 
and everything, especially Martin. I mean, just Martin. That really sold me on Martin Lawrence. Martin Lawrence's comedy until he started doing a series of completely lame ass movies. Like the only thing he's funny he's done in recent years was uh, Bad Boys One and Two. And I don't mean <laughs> whatever. I don't. Yeah. Yeah, but they didn't. So, but nobody even remembers him being in those films. I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to be the bitch about it. But it's true. Like when you think about Bad Boys One and Two, you think about Will Smith. <laughs> Let's be real. He's not really getting any shine off those films. I'm just being honest. No, 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 no. He he played. He his character was funny, but his comic his character depended on Will Smith. Mm-hmm. So therefore. You, you can't really count that as a notch in his belt because depending on his partner and people around him. So I just oh, I got you. No, I got you. And I mean, every every leading man, he's a wingman or he's a co-star or, you know, like, unfortunately for Martin Lawrence, he's not that tall um, and he's too funny. He's <laughs> no. like the real leading man. Even the ones that are tall and attractive like Jim Carrey, He's been comedy for so for so long. It's very hard for him to be type, to be cast as a leading man. I think I only saw seen him cast as a leading man in a non comedic role one time, and that was an Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That's the only time I've seen him in a leading role where it wasn't comedy. It was like an actual leading man with female co- counterpart role, and. When he's not speaking and not making a funny face, Jim Carrey's very handsome. He's very tall, and he's been in the business for a lot of years. And even though he's, like, in his 50s now, he's still really, really good looking. But he's been funny for so long, you can't stop thinking of him as a comedian. Yeah, mm-hmm, yeah. Um, yeah, him and, him, and, uh, um, him and Chris Rock did a, did a movie together, and uh, which also incidentally had Peter Dinklage in it playing a a gay guy, which if you don't know who Peter Dinklage is, he plays the the imp, the half man, Tyrion Lannister on Game of Thrones. He actually is what is called a primordial primordial dwarf. Or primordial, how do you? What did he say? He's a dwarf. Mario. What now? Yeah. God Mario. damn it. Mario. <sighs> Shit. Are you here? Are you here, Mario? I just heard somebody say shit. I hope it's you. <laughs> yeah, it's me. It's me. Did the sound go out again? Oh. No, you're you're still you're still on. We're still on air. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, continue what you were saying. Yeah, but um, uh, um, Peter Dinklage is a you know is a dwarf, and so he plays. Apparently, you know, just to spoil the movie because it's not really all that funny. Apparently, Chris Rock and Martin and uh, Martin Lawrence's father was gay, and he was fucking this white dwarf named. <laughs> And it it just oh I, I saw that horrible movie. Yeah, the it, idea it was, was funny, to be but the, a remake of Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. Yeah, yeah, and it's like but the it, idea was funny, but they you know. Yeah, they they really dropped the ball on that. What, what, what was funny was Peter Peter Dinklage busting out that that coffin that casket and everything. Just outside of that, it was really funny. Yeah, that was hilarious. Um, let's see, let's see. Next on my list, and this one goes in the genre of comedy, and that is a show starring everyone's favorite Reno cops, Reno 911. Um, Reno 911 is a lewd, profane, 
completely unnecessary oh, yeah. and appropriate show that aired on Comedy Central for six seasons. And it is the most kick-ass show, like, well, the most kick-ass live-action show that's ever been on Comedy Central. And it's starring the only cop that you are not paranoid or suspicious of, the cops that everyone loves, the cops in Reno. Um, I, this, is, this is a show about the most lovably inept, idiotic cops on the planet. Yeah. It, it, was, it was hilarious. And, you know, um, there, were, there, were, there were tons and tons and tons of guest appearances by the one and only Nick Swartzman, awesome comedian. And on the show, um, he plays um, a rollerblading, Daisy Duke-wearing, lollipop-sucking little hipster that the, the cops keep pulling over from time to time. It's a hilarious show. Um, I think my favorite character was Nisi Nash's character. And, of course, um, the man with endless legs, Officer Dangle. Love that man. Yeah. That fool that wore his uh, uh, bulletproof vest on the outside of his clothes. <laughs> yep. So I know Man, that's uh, yeah, that was really stupid because they also had a what's her name, uh, Nikki something. Can't remember her name, but she uh, she's a black chick on there and uh, um, this you um, know Nisi Nash. Nisi Nash, yeah, yeah. They just they play off each other. That's another one of those shows that I like. That is, is. Stupid, but it's a good stupid because it's, it's lighthearted and it knows what it's doing. So therefore, you can laugh at how stupid this is. You know, there's there's no way a, 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 a police department this inept can function. But you buy it for the world that you're in. You know. Exactly. No, it's it's, it's a yeah. great show, and um, <laughs> you know, this one episode where um, Nisi Nash's character, and I forget what her her character name was on the show, but um, anyone who watches the show thought knew that she was a black female cop, and um, her hair and makeup were always on point. And this is one episode where she rolls up to some prostitutes, and you think she's gonna arrest them, but no, she's gonna give them makeup tips and tell them not to come out on the streets looking like that ever again. Like things like that are it's completely inappropriate, but it's hilarious. Right. Right. Yeah, I I, so, yeah. I like a show like that. That just it just is uh just lighthearted and just just laugh about it. Fuck it. Yeah, yeah. definitely. You know what? Um, I'm gonna throw a, uh, out a curveball right quick, and uh, mm-hmm. just because um there's no other way that we ever talk about this, and it's probably there's very few people. Do listen to this, but because I'm a truck driver, I love audio drama. Man, this is uh, I got started in it when I I was driving before, and I would listen to old radio classics, and it would be detective stories and westerns and all kind of stuff from like the 30s, 40s, and 50s, and even 60s and stuff like that. Really, really a product of its time. Mhm. So, what were your favorites? Well, there's one that I'm listening to now. That I, there are a couple now that I'm listening to that are um, really incredible, and these are modern audio dramas. Um, one of them is the Leviathan Chronicles, which is a full cast audio production, which is a uh, sci-fi oriented, and it involves uh, you know alien technology and um, 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 immortality and the this uh, a war between human between mortal humans and and these immortals who have lived long enough to develop all kinds of 
epic technology and the, the backdrop. And if you listen to an audio drama, an audio drama is not exactly like a movie, but because the you don't, it's not a visual medium, so therefore you have to hear everything that's going on. The audio production in this show is incredible because the the writing is is great, the uh, uh, music really drives the show, really drives the show, and I've been listening to it religiously for the last few years. Um, and um, you also have then there's the other show, the other show I listen to religiously is would really challenge The Walking Dead if it were ever made into a show, and it's called We're Alive, and. It's supposed to be zombie, but it goes beyond what a zombie, what you think of a zombie is. There are two types of uh, uh, of uh, reanimated um, creatures or whatever. Um, some of them even call revenants. Um, we call zombies, which is normally the George, George Romero type of zombie, which is slow and shambling. And then there are infected, which are viral infected type of people who actually are kind of alive. This show has both of them. This show has these zombies and or revenants or whatever you want to call them, becoming different types of beings and creating an incredible situation where because it's not just like The Walking Dead in which there's always that that random threat of that zombie. You never know what you're going to deal with in this show. And then on top of that, the character dynamics, the audio production, when you're firing off a submachine gun, the audio production is so good that it has the exact sound of that particular weapon, whereas, you know, it's not just a random audio flow of shot. shot. So um, I'm quitting random about that, but check out, you know, check out some audio drama sometime because you can really immerse yourself in these worlds here. Cool, cool. I've never, I've never actually given that a try, but, you know, that's not to try anything new. I definitely, you know, would give that a shot. Um, let's see. Next on my list, um, this is a this is actually a drama, and I I picked this one for reasons of nostalgia more than anything else. Don't don't judge me right now. Um, it's Dawson's Creek. Ah. I said Dawson's. I said yes. I said Dawson's Creek. Um, it's one of my favorite shows. It came on when I was a teenager. I was pretty much to portray them so. Um, it's basically about a very privileged. Um, white kid living in New England um, with beautiful, well-to-do parents and a beautiful house um, and, you know, how his world um, gets thrown into disarray um, when he meets a new girl and falls in love for the first time while dealing with his best girlfriend's feelings for him and coming into their own and adolescence and stuff like that. Um, the show was like the show was incredibly annoying as far as um, some of the dialogue that was used. Most of the time, the characters sounded like they had just left an SAT prep course, um, and uh, it really wasn't relatable um, to me. But I loved about the show was the overabundance of like teen angst and the fact that the show had an amazing soundtrack. And the cool thing about the show is. Um, when Buena Vista got the music, like the soundtrack from the show from popular artists, they had only agreed for their music to be used on air. And so they could, that could only be used when the show was airing and, and during syndicate. But the show was so popular, when they put it for home release, um, they could not do it with the music, so they had to get new music from other lesser-known independent artists. So the soundtrack is completely different if you watch it on video or on Netflix. 
So it's great because both soundtracks were incredible. Got exposed to so many new and different indie artists from watching that show. So just for just because it amplified my music library, I'm gonna put Dawson's Creek on the list. I hated that goddamn theme song though. That, 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 <laughs> Which one? Man. Even the theme songs changed when it went to home video. When it was on air, that, it was "I Don't Want to Wait" by Paula Cole. When it was when, know, when it was yeah for home release and for Netflix, it was "Run Like Mad" by Jan Arden. So yeah, even the theme songs changed when they had to when they did it for home release. Yeah, man, I couldn't. <laughs> Are oh, you talking man, about the original theme song? I don't want to wait. Yeah, yeah, that's the one, man. That's it's oh, crazy because I was I was a Paula Cole fan when that album dropped, and um that was that that was that song was never released as a wasn't released as a single until after the show got popular. But I remember when I first got the album, I really loved that song. Then, when it became the theme song of the show, I hated that song. And I'm a huge <laughs> Jan Arden fan. Um, I love Jan Arden, but when I watched the, the, the Netflix um, home release of the series and Run Like Mad was the theme song, I hated song with a passion. <laughs> yeah, that, that sounds like a horrible... I can't stand it. I mean, I, I'm kind of sad that Michelle Williams, um, who played Jen, it seems to be the only one who made a career for herself after the show. Um, but, and you know, I've seen Katie Holmes in a couple things. I've seen Jane Vanderbeek in a couple things. I've seen Josh Jackson in a couple things, but nothing really major. I think the success of the show really fucked with, you know, their individual careers. It's kind of like Jaleel White. Um, he played Urkel for so long, he couldn't get really, he couldn't really get any roles, anything else, because people were still calling him Urkel, even though he looks and behaves completely different than he did on the show, and he was just that good of an actor. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, kind uh, of those, that's the risk you take when you're on a really successful series. Yeah, yeah, I never really, I, I watched it, yeah, sparingly, but it really wasn't anything else on. Well, I suppose it's my turn again. So, yep. Now, this right here, you know, I've already admitted that uh, Lauren Cox was hot as hell. So I don't, you know. You Laverne? Know, yeah. That's what I'm talking about. I already admitted right. she was hot, hot as hell. So, therefore, I don't have anything else to lose. I don't give a fuck. You know what I'm saying? Pull my man card. I don't need that bitch anyway. I watched the L word for all four seasons. Of, I think it was all four seasons. Mario, will you marry me, please? That's my show. <laughs> that is my show. I love the L word. Yeah, great man. And if you, uh, you know, uh, the only person you probably remember, you probably know out of out of it, it was uh, the the girl from my um, uh, flash dance. I can't. Rem- mm-hmm. I just took my tongue before I said Jennifer that. Jennifer Beals. And uh. Yeah, yeah, and um, Ozzy Davis, uh, the late Ozzy Davis, made made a cameo. Actually, I, re- I actually to me was actually um Catherine O'Monaghan, who played Shane on the show. Um, before I watched the L Word, um, she was actually on a very short-lived summer series called Young Americans, which was actually mm-hmm. playing a girl trying to pass stuff off as a boy. So, and I I fell in love with her on that show. So I actually watched the L Word because it was on Netflix, and I saw. Her her face in the poster. I didn't forget her face from 
Young Americans, and she's the reason why I started watching that show. No other reason. Catherine Monaghan was why I watched O Word. And I yeah, love she's her on, character. She's on some other show, and I forgot what it was because I was going to watch it specifically for because of her. But, you know, if you've never heard the show, it's a, it's a show detailing the lives of this group of uh, lesbians. And there are a lot of uh, there are a lot of ups and downs and trials and tribulations. That, you know, sometimes the writing was on, was awesome. That last season, though, man, the, the season finale, uh, the series finale was some bullshit. It really was. Watch, I'm so pissed. Right. If you've seen Lost and you've seen the ending of The Sopranos, you'll know what I'm talking about. Oh, no, no, and no. Nothing is as bad as Lost. Nothing is as bad as Lost. Don't even get me started on that. That's why I had to I, That's why I had to cut Lost off. It's not even on my list. Fuck Lost and everyone that ever watched that show. Ugh. I'm so mad at everyone that peer pressured me into watching that ridiculous show. Yep. I, I, I never watched the... Uh, I never watched the... Uh, uh, after that show, man, I mean, she... I mean... I mean, because the show ends with a with a fucking website telling you where you can go to find out more information about about what, what happened in there. I'm not I'm not gonna do that. I'm not gonna do that shit. But you know, up until that point, that show was on point. It was awesome, man. Um, it had some great. Yeah, characters. it was really great because we get to we got we got to know um you know um it kind of it kind of it kind, I'm not gonna lie, it did really really reinforce a lot of lesbian stereotypes. But it also was great at showing you that there's not such a lesbian behavior, that they're people and they're, they're diverse and they have different opinions and different wants and stuff like that. The actors were really, really great. Um, you mentioned Jennifer Beals, Catherine Monaghan. Um, there's other actress, God, I forget her name, who played Jenny, who I hated, by the way. Hated Jenny, Jenny Schechter. I wanted her to die for season two. Um, but she was a great actress. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't too much like that that chick either. You know, uh, I did like that chick that played Poppy though. Remember? Who? She played Poppy. Oh, she Poppy! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh no, but actually, she play, she plays she played Luna on True Blood, and she's actually playing a witch now on The Vampire Diaries. I can't get into that show. Well, you need, you did see her as Luna on True Blood, correct? I'm about to look that. I'm about to look at that again because you, you. Yeah, you, yeah. I, 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 Poppy, Poppy is Luna on True Blood. Well, and her character, well, Luna just died on True Blood, but she was there for like a season and a half. So. Well, the good thing I've already seen that you just told me. I actually had yep, seen. Yep, yep. Well, you weren't watching True Blood. Well, not the recent season, no, because uh, I had had no, had H- no, HBO. No, 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 no. You already, you already fucked up. You already fucked up right now. I can't even talk to you. I why I, aren't you watching True Blood? I haven't had Showtime in forever, man. Possibly <laughs> bullshit. Um, let's see. Next on my list, which is comedy, um, it has to be, um, like, and one of the most iconic shows of all time, Married with Children. Oh yeah, Ed O'Neill's part one of Ed O'Neill's best. I actually loved pretty much everything he's ever done. I liked him in the movie. I loved him in the movie Dutch. Loved him on Married with Children. Loved him now on Modern Family. But on Married with Children, as just like this, you know, um, malcontent, completely miserable, depressed, um, working husband, who is, you know, so disillusioned with life. 
and pretty much just tolerates all the people in his life, doesn't really, um, doesn't really, you know, expressively love them that much, hates his neighbors. There was something about that that I think a lot of people could relate to. I think a lot of people were tired of seeing the family where everyone got, a, you know, they disagreed occasionally, but they really loved each other, and everybody liked their neighbors, and everybody, you know, was really tired and stressed, but they deep down they really liked their job. He wasn't like that, and I think that's why the show was so popular. Okay, yeah. Yeah. I have, you know, this is one of, this is another one of the shows I really need to, need, need to get back up on. Mary, I mean, there's so many shows. Yeah, I mean, because you know, there's so many shows that I used to that I used to uh, uh, watch, or they're coming on right now that I'm just like out of loop on because of my my work schedule and whatnot. And it's like, a lot of times I can't keep up with them. Well, Mary with Children has but, been off air for so. I mean, I think it's still in syndicate, but you know, I'm yeah, sure you watched yeah. a few episodes back in the '90s. It was really popular. Back oh yeah, then. yeah, I sure did. I sure did. I loved it, man. I loved it. And I'm really uh, glad that, you know, Katie, Katie Seagal and Christina Applegate, their careers, you know, did well after the show as well. I mean, um, Katie Seagal was on um, um, Eight Simple Rules and um, Futurama. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty cool. So Futurama, because that yeah, was did I, by the I, same I dude that did The Simpsons. Yep, yep, love the show. Thought Mary with Children was great. Um you know, it's just, it, I, I, overall, I think the show was, even though it had a laugh track, it really didn't need a laugh track, I don't think. I think that there was just a style back in the early, the late 80s, early 90s, for all the shows to have a laugh track. But yeah. it didn't need one at all. Everything everything that was pretty much every joke on that show was hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that got, that kind of brings me to uh, to this. And excuse me, man. I'm going to gush a little bit because, um, you know, uh, and actually that wasn't a good segue, but anyway. Um, um, this show, I'm, I'm going to gush. I'm going to gush. I don't give a fuck. Cosmos. Now, I'm going to talk about both incarnations of it. Now, I really, the old Cosmos with Carl Sagan, I didn't find that until I, I saw that on YouTube. I watched the entire thing straight on out, right? Love this dude. The information he 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 puts he puts forth. I mean, he's a really charismatic, really genuine type of guy. You can tell that, and he's actually sort of Neil deGrasse Tyson's protege. So, and you got Seth MacFarlane. No, no, no. Neil deGrasse Tyson is his protege. I thought it would be the anyway. You you know what I'm saying? Um, <laughs> and then Seth MacFarlane is the one who. He's the he's the one that put the back behind to get the show back back going again. So you have Neil deGrasse Tyson giving all the information out, and just the it's just I want I love a good documentary. I love a good science science show, especially when it's giving out real straight science information in an interesting way. And you also have the visuals of this show with all this the CG and um, some knucklehead was turned off by the CG for some odd reason. You know, I was in a discussion with him. I don't know how he portrayed the documentaries or whatever, but this, you know, it just it really tells, it gives a lot of information now that is just it's straightforward, really easy to absorb. And you know, if you if you're someone who's kind of a geek and you like to learn a little something like that, and you enjoy learning about not only human origins but the cosmos and and stars and stuff like that, you you mean you're gonna love this show. 
And yeah, Neil, yeah, Degra- it's Neil deGrasse a great Tyson. Show. And Neil deGrasse Tyson is a bad motherfucker. He is, and I mean, this the show wasn't on my list because um, I saw it as like educational or um, science, not drama or comedy, but it definitely deserves uh, uh, some props on the show because it's a great show. Um, and besides the obvious that Mara just stated about teaching you um, cosmology, the show is so um, well-produced. Um, you know, Seth MacFarlane has a pretty large budget. Um, the special effects, the visual effects are great. It's the kind of show every time I watch every episode, I wish I could be seeing it in a the movie theater on a larger screen. Right. Right. Sorry yeah. for the lucky wrench, though. What? Sorry for that lucky wrench, though. I couldn't help it. Mm. No, it's okay. Um, next show on my list, it's going even further back, and that's in the the dra- genre of drama, and that would be The Wonder Years. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Love this freaking show. Love this show. Um, I think Wonder Years is probably, um, you know, it's another one of those iconic shows that they're never going to be able to do again. Um, starring um, Ben Savage and um, um, Danica McKellar. And this show is, oh, man, I can't even. The show basically, it's set, it's, it spans the years 1968 to 1973, and it's a coming-of-age series centered around a boy named Kevin Arnold, suburban middle-class kid, um, you know, dealing with everyday issues, um, family issues, adolescence issues, school issues. Um, and um, it's, it's done in a voiceover. Um, the voiceover is done by older Kevin. And um, one of the central themes is, um, you know, this epic love affair he has with his best friend, Winnie Cooper. Um, mm-hmm. It's one of the most beautiful coming-of-age stories of all time. It doesn't downplay some of the difficulties of childhood. There's a lot of stuff that Kevin dealt with that kids are still dealing with. But at the same time, it doesn't try to paint um, the innocence of childhood or try to make it seem as if this is the hardest and most difficult life will ever be, like a lot of um, teen dramas do. It never really goes that far as to say, you know, um, childhood or adolescence completely sucks, and this is the worst time of your life. That's actually why the show is called The Wonder Years. Um, I think it's one of the, it's a beautiful show, beautifully active. I was actually streaming on Netflix now. It's on my queue to watch again. I've seen every episode of the show at least three times. I think it's one of the best shows um, ever put on television and one of the best written shows ever. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I remember watching the show because that guy is uh, that's uh, Robin Thicke's father on that show, and um, I even watched his little show, a little spinoff. He uh, not spinoff, but it was a little show he did portraying the Flash. You know, one of those lame, I think the DC characters, and which his whole power is that he runs fast and shit. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, so I never really got into a lot of this stuff, but. Um, um, yeah, the one I, I watched a lot of those shows from, from, my, from my childhood. A lot of them do not hold up, you know, at least not to me. You know, just you know, you realize the corniness of it. And I guess I can throw this in while I'm talking about like fam, Family Matters. Is like, yeah, I loved Family Matters. I, I liked it when I, when I was 
watch it then, but then as an adult, I realized, like, really, you really can't solve every family problem with a five-minute uh, uh, sad monologue explaining the situation. Like, yeah, the guy ran your car into a pole. You, you you might need to do a little bit more and say, well, son, I understand why you did it because, you know, you're, you're, it's hard because I was I was I was a knucklehead when I was a kid and this that and no nine times out of ten you want to hurt yeah me yeah while. yeah I'm not talking about this. I I'm a huge fan of Family Matters I think the show was great for its time and I stress for its time. You know, um, and I think it's the same could be said about Married with Children. It was great for its time. They're not like shows like, let's say, um, Wonder Years or Malcolm in the Middle that I think could stand the test of time, that could endure for several years or several decades. Looking back, you see how corny a lot of these shows were, and you realize it was funny to us because, well, it was a corny time, and maybe the rest of us were corny too. <laughs> but... um you know, it's kind of like um, the way I felt about the Cosby Show. It's the same thing where you give this, this speech and this soliloquy and this monologue and everything's better, but it's not. Um, on a lot of these shows, like, well, with Wonder Years, you had open-ended problems, problems that weren't resolved in one episode, and that made it more realistic. Um, on Malcolm in the Middle, um, the problems were like a, a symptom of something larger, so it was okay if they were resolved in this episode because you knew they'd pop up again later. Um, it, mm-hmm. it was different on shows like Family Matters or um, The Cosby Show because, you know, something huge, like you said, like um, Steve was wrecked um, Carl's car or caused major damage to their house, and, you know, there'd be a weepy monologue and all would be forgiven. Oh, yeah. See? Yeah, that, and that's what I'm talking about. Like, a lot of times, you know, that this resolution was, I mean, I know because it's a G-rated show that you can't have, you know, the father with pulling off his belt. But, you know, it's just, but some of the stuff that they did on this show, like, yeah, you, you probably want to see me for a couple of weeks. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and uh, oh, this right here, I, I almost forgot about this one because you mentioned um, Orange and New Black. This is another Netflix original I'm about to mention. It is fucking House of Cards, man. This, man, okay, you this have to right tell here. Me, I've, heard, I've heard the show being talked about, but I don't know what it's about. I've never watched it. It's kind of a political drama. You got Kevin Spacey and Robin Wright. I mean, if you remember Robin Wright from um, uh, The Princess Bride. And, um, no, I, I love the both of them. I think they're both excellent yeah. actors. And it's just, you know, them and their, um, especially Kevin Spacey, and his ability to manipulate everybody around him. He's like a master chess player. And he manipulates everybody to maneuver himself into the, into the position that he needs to be in, even at the cost. He'll even, he's so good at manipulating people and manipulating situations that he'll take losses, plan of his, because losing on that plan has better ramifications for him later on. Later on, you know what I'm saying? He'll take uh-huh. the ball if it if it need, if he needs to, and readjust his plan or something like that. He, he's not afraid to lose because sometimes he knows that the way that he's manipulating everybody around him, losing sometimes is actually better for him. And it's it's so. I mean, there's Sounds so like a much hidden. Right. And there's so much hidden behind the scenes 
political drama and, and um, intrigue and um, um, just so much covert stuff, you know, it, it actually, you know, it actually scares me because, you know, you talk about, like, a lot of uh, political um, dramas and you talk about, like, a lot of um, uh, even period pieces in which you see the machinations of uh, the king and queen and everybody supports them and all the everybody that is on their side and who isn't. And, you know, even like Game of Thrones had the same idea of these are the people in power, these are the things that are going on behind the scenes that nobody else is seeing that has shaped the future of everybody involved, even the country that they represent. And this is the same way. It's just like it shows, and I don't know how true all this stuff is to the actual world of politics, but you see, you know, it, it shows like this this hidden, sneaky, slimy underbelly of politics in which, you know, you think that um, this guy is proposing this bill to uh, uh, for free school lunch to, um, for everybody in the state when, you know, he's only doing that because it has some type of advantage to either him or somebody who, um, who he either owes a favor to or has worked with or something like that, even if it means sometimes a bill not passing is a good thing because the bill was never supposed to pass in the first place. You know what I'm oh, saying? Gotcha. You know, all this stuff, you know, that's going on behind the scene, I'm, I'll pass your bill if you pass my bill. I need you to take a loss on this bill because that helps me with my bill and stuff like that. And you, you really get, you know, and I, like I said, I don't know shit about politics enough to know how true any of this stuff is. But, with, you know, with this stuff, the, the source the material had to come from somewhere, so I'm inclined to believe a lot of this stuff is true. And you know humans are greedy. You know humans are or a lot of humans are really out for themselves. And what is politics anything other than how much bullshit can I throw at people to get them to believe that I actually give a shit when I really don't? And this, yeah. this show right here really shows a lot of that. That's that's pretty cool. Um, let's see. I really want to watch that show, by the way. I just It's really weird for me to watch anything that's centered around politics because I get mm-hmm. way too involved with it. Um, let's see. The next show on my list has got to be The Tudors. Oh yeah, that's my shit. That was my show. I'm so I'm, I know it had to end. I'm kind of sad. Um, starring Jonathan Rhys Meyers as King Henry the Eighth, and that's you know following the saga of Henry from the time that he met um, Anne and Mary Boleyn to mm-hmm. the time when um, you know he um, well when shit goes bad for him. But the show was great. And it also um, was co-starring um, for, oh, for a couple seasons, Natalie Dormer, who played um, Anne Boleyn. And the cool thing about Natalie Dormer is she's really, like, I don't know what it is about this woman. She can go from looking very ordinary to really adorable to seriously sexy. I didn't really think she was yeah. that great. So I saw, I, I started watching the tutors and I saw the sex scenes between her and Jonathan. I'm like, damn, okay. These are like some of the best sex scenes I've ever seen in any show ever. And we're talking about like I've seen I've not, at the time I'd already seen no later on I would see going to see Rome, Spartacus, Game of Thrones. Um, none of them can compare. Like there's something there's something magnetic about her character, and um, um, I'm, she's on Game of Thrones now. 
um, playing Marjorie. I'm so glad to see her back on a series. She's such a great actress. But The Tudors was an amazing show. Um, it really it gets you. It really gets you all up in you know um, Henry's head, um, how he think, how he thinks, how he's dealing with things. Um, really humanized him, even at the same time, um, making it apparent how cruel um, he was. Right, so, and, um, and, and um, Henry is Henry is played by uh, uh, um, Jonathan Reese Myers, who is not a fat guy, by the way. So it's not going to be historic down to the letter. There are a lot of stuff. There's a lot of stuff you read about the show because you know all these people are real, but a lot of the stuff that happened either didn't happen then, happened later, didn't happen this way, happened actually happened to someone else or stuff like that. So don't go in expecting this to be straight up on the money. His Everything, everything well, yeah, historically accurate. I, I need to point this out. Um, I was about to point that out. Is yeah, Jonathan Reese Myers is not a fat guy, not by any stretch of the imagination. However, if you watch the show, the the the, the you know episodes um back to back to back, like I did when it was on Netflix, you'll yeah. realize that they're padding him. They're padding him as the series progress, padding him um with more clothing to make him look bigger. Right. I thought that was a really, I thought that was a really great attention to detail um, on the part of the dressers and the wardrobe and, and makeup and whatever, and you know even the way that his makeup was applied, you'll see um, they did a, um, they paid less attention to contouring his features, and as a result, his face looked a bit um, fatter, a bit more bloated. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you'll definitely this- notice that. And this show also gave you uh, Henry Cavill, who eventually played uh, the Man of Steel, um, and whatnot. But yeah, you, you're right, man. It was a really good, very well done show. Um, that just, you know, it's it's an immersive show. It really is. Yeah, it's a really, really great show. Um, let's see. Um, what's next on your list? Um. Um, 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 and I just had it right on the tip of my tongue, though. Um, I guess, you know, I, I, I'm going to have to say one of the shows that um, just really just, uh, 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 it really just captured my imagination, and it has this kind of childlike goofiness. It has this kind of childlike uh, 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 magic to it, but it also has a lot of adult themes is, is uh, Once Upon a Time. And, um, oh, I just got into that. I love that show. Yeah, it's it's really good. You know, you um, it, it has all the characters from the, your 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 childhood Disney fairy tales and stuff like that. But they're all adults. They're all supposed to be somewhat realistic, within some reason, within some ways and stuff like that. Um, and um, it's really the, the show has a has a lot going on for it. Um, and it tries to read this this really intricate narrative that somehow incorporates all these fantasy, fantasy tales into uh, into um, one show and everything. Somehow or another, they even factor in Mulan. You know what I'm saying? And you know, and it, I mean, you ignore the fact that occasionally there's like one or two black characters, Asian characters sprinkled about. You know, like somebody just casually dropped off a minority here or there and. Most of the, the male leads are tall white guys who you who are pretty much interchangeable. The um, central story with uh, you know Regina and uh, Snow White and all that is is pretty good, man. I, I enjoyed it because 
And me, I'm normally the person that likes the hardcore kind of gritty stuff. So this show actually did get me interested. There's cool. even Pinocchio. There's even Pinocchio. How did you even – that was, was interesting because he really does turn into a wooden dude. Yep. Oh, wow. I, I'm pretty far yep. behind. I haven't finished season one yet. I I finished season two, and I'm waiting for Netflix to get season three, you know. Not really rushing at it. You know, I just cut my cable and stuff like that, so I don't really watch TV as much as I used to. I understand. Hold on, let me see. Um, The next show on my list would have to be... Let me think about this. I have this written down. Where is it? Um... The next series on my list. Come on, come on. That would be Daria. Ah, um, yeah. Daria, um, probably the last great um show on MTV, animated or otherwise. Daria was the tale of a an incredibly jaded teenage girl, um, smarter but also less attractive than her counterparts in a small, pretty homogenous town full of really insipid people and just waiting, you know, biding her time um, between wishing that she would die and wishing everyone else would die. Daria was hilarious in its cynicism. There was something right. so charming about the show because it took all kinds of angst, kid angst, teen angst, adult angst, and rolled it up into one person. And, um, you know, everything about the show from Dario, Daria's almost complete lack of facial expressions to the monotone in which she speaks and yeah. the idiocy of the people around her made the right. show so hilarious. Like her sister Quinn, the and then that song. song. Remember the theme song for Daria? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Right, you're standing on my neck, la la la. <laughs> so they yeah, really yeah. Really fucked up and put a nice jingle to it. That's pretty much the entire show. And that song is that wrote that always had his football pants on. <laughs> it was Do you remember show, Daria's man. favorite show? Daria's favorite show to watch was a show called Six Sad World. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, you would just see a whole bunch of fucked up things happening. Like, this show was was awful because, uh, well, not awful, but awesome because it showed so many awful things that were going on that were constantly ignored, both by the people on the show and the people watching the show. <laughs> Great show. Love, love, love the show. Yeah, that was a really fun, was a funny ass show. And since we're gonna go into animation, I gotta throw out Archer, man. That that is one. That's another one of them shows that is fucking stupid, but it's a good stupid. It I is, love you know, Archer. I love love, yeah. love Archer. Ridiculous as all get out. He's supposed to be some type of James Bond ripoff, but he's completely inept. Uh, it's ridiculous, and it's like the, the kind of ridiculous drama they go through in that um, in that show. There's no way they're supposed to be some type of top secret government uh, uh, um, 
assassins or whatever, man. But you know, you 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 buy it, you buy it, because one of the voices I used to Tyler, and uh, H. John Benjamin plays uh, um, Archer, and his voice alone is almost instantly hilarious. hilarious. He, yeah. he does the voice of Bob Belcher on the show Bob's Burgers, and he's hilarious yeah. on that show as well. Yeah, it, it, you, it's, it's that shit you can't help but laugh at. <laughs> you just cannot help but laugh at because it's just, you know, because you have Pam who is just, just almost almost uh, this, this insane, loudmouth, sexually repressed uh, secretary. But you also have uh, this one chick who is so... Oh, she's not sexual. repressed. She's not repressed. She is just frustrated because nobody wants her, but she's very outspoken about what, I'm what to she say. Wants, But she likes. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's my homegirl. I love her. But then you also have Carol slash Cheryl. If you watch it with the subtitles on, the subtitles always say Carol slash Cheryl because she changed well, the name. Well, you know why that is? Because in season one, she was going by by one of the names, well, Archer's mom kept calling her by the other, and so she finally started yeah. responding to the other name because she's a complete idiot. Right. And that girl is so, she is so outrageously sexual that she gets turned off by being slapped and beaten and cussed out. I mean, she, it turns on, at one point she's getting choked by a robot, and it's turned on by this thing. And it's like, it's just so stupid, man. Do you remember uh, the episode oh, where she faked her pregnancy by just writing a little blue plus mark on a tie to go pen? Right, and she was trying to look for she was trying to look for a online pregnancy test. Yeah. Take online. And Cyril, who was like who like pretends to be so out of the way and whatever, but he's really a sex addict. Yeah. A sex addict that's packing. I mean, this dorky and the doctor who might be Hitler's clone. Right, right, right. I just right, then, on, then on Ray. Ray is ridiculous in his own methods. I just he's supposed to be I the gay Ray. character. He's the most flamboyant. Oh, I love his flamboyancy. Love him. Love Ray. And even Archer's mom has like her moments. I think. Right. Right. Oh man, that that is a great show, a well written show. What a friend of mine who used to come to some of the uh, uh, the meetings I had with BN, her daughter is actually was actually an illustrator or an inker or something like that to do with the show. And so she gave me a lot more insight as to how they do it because it's not just traditional hand drawn um, anim- animation and everything, but it's it's really interesting. I definitely, I definitely, I definitely think Archer is probably one of the best new shows on air right now. Um, mm-hmm. And because you mentioned H. John Benjamin, and I already talked about this, my next favorite would have to be Bob's Burgers. It's the funniest animated um, series on Fox right now. I absolutely love Bob's Burgers. Um, Bob's Burgers is basically um, this: you have a poor restaurateur named Bob Belcher who lives above a, his the burger joint that he and his family run. Um, he runs it with his very annoyingly chipper, slightly neurotic wife, um, his um, very horny teen daughter, Tina, um, his flamboyant, horrible entertainer of a son, Gene, and his sociopathic, compulsive liar of a younger daughter, Louise. 
And um, mm-hmm. he he lives also he's right across the street from his competition Italian restaurant. Um, and his arch nemesis runs that. The guy's name is Jimmy Pesto. And right next to a mortuary. Um, the show's hilarious. Like, it literally, every episode has you rolling. And the guest voices are incredible. Um, you know, Aziz Ansari has um, been a guest voice on the show a couple of times. Have a lot of great comedians. Nick Sorensen's yeah. been on the show a couple of times. Um, the characters are hilarious. Um, you really right. get to love the, the entire family. You root for them even when they're in the wrong. Um, right. It's a, just a great show. And like um, like Mario said, H. John Benjamin has a really funny voice. Whether he's playing, you know, some suave wannabe um, secret agent by or just a poor um, owner of a burger joint, it's hilarious no matter what he's doing. Yeah, you know, it, there's it, it actually, there's actually, I, I need to there's actually a crossover episode of Archer where Archer loses his memory and is living out his life as as Bob, Bob Belcher from Oh, Bob so that was that was about. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what that was. Because the audiences started catching on and realizing it's the same person doing both voices. So when Archer had amnesia, what better way to kind of make a joke about that and tie in the two shows? Well, you know, um, his voice. You know, he's a, another character. Another guy that has a really funny voice um, that you hear a lot very often is uh, Patrick Warburton. He was actually on Archer for a little bit, too. And he has, uh, if you ever watch uh, The Venture Brothers, which throw that out right quick, too, The Venture Brothers is also one of those equally just stupid stupid shows and animations and stuff like that. He plays uh, Brock Sampson. If you ever watch uh, uh, Johnny Quest, it's some type of rip off of Johnny Quest. And, um, but he has a really recognizable, really just kind of, kind of, kind of goofy, kind of almost macho man voice. But is just you know, it's similar. You know, it's like just like John Benjamin. Like his voice alone is almost enough to be funny. Exactly. This is the the tone of his voice, like the quality of his voice, and the tone of voice he uses alone are hilarious. Right. Okay. Um. Um. Shit, I ran. I think I ran out of all, all, all of mine. You're out of yours. Hold on a minute. I think I still have some more of mine. Go ahead, right? I might. I might come up. Uh, this show. This show's kind of like the show that that just keeps on taking. That show's Pretty Little Liars. Pretty Little Liars is a show on ABC Family. It kind of took that network by storm. It has two spinoff series. Well, it has one spinoff series called Ravenswood, and it has another show that's loosely based on a similar premise that's pretty much capitalizing off Pretty Little Liars' popularity, and that show's called Twisted. But anyway, Pretty Little Liars is a show I started watching over four years ago, back in 2009. And the premise is basically this. You have four teenage girls, their best friend was, was um, murdered, was gone missing. They eventually found out she was murdered, and they're trying to find out who the murderer is. The murderer keeps trying to kill and or blackmail them all the time. This show, doesn't you think you know who the killer is, who A is? You're wrong. No matter who you think (laughs) it is or how close you are, you're wrong. This show is like the, the... a live, a live action, drama based, drawn out, 
um, interpretation of blue balls. Mm-hmm. Every single time you think you're going to finish a damn show, it doesn't. And they draw out every season. There's always a mid-season finale. They're still on season four. And I tell you, the show's been on air since, like, early, like, fall 2009, I believe. This show lasted longer than my damn marriage. It's still on fucking TV, and I still don't know who the killer is. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, uh, but I, I it's guess so that's, uh, good, Mario. It's so good. You get all wrapped up in it. I'm gonna check that out, then. I mean, there's so many shows I never did watch, man. That everybody tell me like, uh, uh, um, um, Breaking Bad and don't li- I mean, don't lie to me or, and um, and I need to be watching um 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 this one show that has uh, shit. What's the name of that damn show? It has uh James um, Purifor in it. Um. The following, or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, because I'm the type of person that used to watch shows like I used to watch 24 all the time. Even though when you get to about season seven or eight, there's no way this song bitch should still be alive. You know, I mean, it's like how the fuck does the same dude find himself in these situations repeatedly, and nobody thinks, well, maybe he has something to do with it? Because I'm, you know, you know, I mean, they, the song bitch even kills his own people. You know, I, you know, like the one black dude, he killed that guy. You know, I'm, um, but I, I I watched the show. I watched it, you know, up to season eight. I didn't finish season eight because it's like, I guess my patience was wearing thin. Like, I was like, look, goddamn, you, you are not gonna kill this guy in episode ten. You already told me there's twenty four episodes. Jack Bauer is not gonna die anytime soon. Yeah. So I, no, I, 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 I definitely, I, now I have a whole bunch of other stuff to put on my Netflix to thank you. Thanks a lot, Mario. <laughs> and I hope our listeners have something to think about, about what they want to watch. And, and I think pretty much every show that I mentioned is streaming on Netflix right now, if you have a Netflix account. So go watch those. Yeah, yeah, or there are other ways, but I'm not going to tell you what those are because you're not going to get Other me. ways, you said suggestively. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wink, wink. Um, so I guess um, I guess it's gonna I guess they're gonna bring it on to an end because uh, I think we run um, unless you have a few more. You. No, I don't have any more. And um, if you don't, I think it's time we sign off no. and wish everyone a happy Friday and an awesome weekend. Right, right, right. And you know, I you know. By now, if you've been listening to this show for a minute now, you know that there are other shows on the BFT network, and one of them is coming up this Sunday uh, featuring the lovely Kim. And um, um, as usual, that's at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So uh, keep in touch with all the other shows and me, myself, and all that. You know, if if you're paying attention to this show, you'll know that there are other shows coming up, and we will promote those shows. So... Um, without further ado, um, we're going to sign off. And, uh, Bye, everyone. Yeah, right on. Just making sure. In two weeks. All right. And I'm trying to stall so I can find my damn theme music and shit. There we go. There we go. All right. All right. Damn it. We're gone. Peace. Bye.
Black free thinkers, where we walk by sight with a bright flashlight to illuminate night. Free thought, we don't walk by faith in a lost mind state, cause it's not quite safe. We don't recruit, we're not peers from a church, so don't be spooked, we're not here to convert. The only truth that's not pulled from a text, show me proof that's not good after death. This is the challenge to think for yourself, break it out of the bottle and speak what you felt. Three, one, two, three, one. Hadouken! 